Hello, everyone, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where we discuss all kinds of fictional monsters, creatures, and beasts from the alien to the mythological and supernatural from all corners of pop culture. Uh, hi, I am one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and... I'm your other host, Khalid Hussein. How's it going, Khalid? Oh, super groovy, man. I'm up at the crack of dawn, just ready to talk monsters with my friends. Yeah, it's super early for you. It's like seven-something down in L.A., isn't it? Yeah, seven-something indeed. It feels like seven-something. Yeah, and you're one of those weird guys that doesn't drink coffee. Nah, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm my own coffee. I, I motivate myself. <laughs> um, so, guess what, Khalid? What? We have another special guest today. What? No, yeah. I knew this time. I, I'm not doing You knew last again. time, too. <laughs> <laughs> so our special guest today is Rod Faulkner. Rod is a lover and purveyor of great sci-fi fantasy horror, specifically in the realm of indie short films and web series. He's the founder of the largely successful 7th Matrix website and host of the Eye on Sci-Fi podcast. Welcome, Rod. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, we're glad to have you. This is I'm really excited for this episode. It's kind of the, a breaking format one for us. It's a little different, so it's fun to have you on. Ah, cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, I, I don't know about Khalid, but I know personally I've been uh, I've been looking at your site for a long time now. I, it's a way that I found lots of really cool short films in the in the sci-fi fantasy genre, and I've only really just just recently started listening to your podcast, and I really liked it. So I really I really enjoyed your interview with the the creators of In Search of Tomorrow documentary, and I, I really liked your 100th episode, the, the, the BLM one. I thought that was, that was really like kind of poignant, for the, especially for the moment, because I think a lot of people who are in, in our fandoms, um, it just makes sense that, that that would be something you would relate to or a cause that you'd identify with. So it sometimes surprises me that it's such a, uh, a con- controversial topic in, in the sci-fi fantasy fandom. Right, right. And I do appreciate your kind words, too, about the website and the podcast. I am just um, like yourself and and Khalid, a a guy who loves genre fiction in really all its forms and all media, but uh, especially in the area of independent short film. And regarding Black Lives Matter, it was just an, an inflection point for me personally because of some things that I was going through that I explained in the episode and then the events that were happening in our nation and I just felt that I could not comment on what was going on and it just so happened to converge with my 100th episode so I really appreciate that you took the time to listen and um, yeah I just felt that I had to share my thoughts yeah and it came off great and anyone listening go check out Rod's podcast Ion Sci-Fi podcast check out those episodes and the others they're they're fantastic um, but yeah, let's let's talk about monsters. Um, I mentioned before we started recording, I have a couple questions that I ask guests, and, and Rod chose to let these be uh, kind of a blind thing, right? You're, we're going to go into <laughs> it blind, so I'm kind of excited. So the first question I have for you, and I'm actually okay. going to give you the first two together just because they build off each other. Since this oh, is wow. A, okay. Since this is a monster podcast, the first question is, what is your favorite monster from any corner of pop culture, whether that's a movie, book, TV show, comic, uh, short film, web series. And the second part of that is which one do you think is the scariest? Because sometimes they might be the same. Sometimes they might be different. Okay. So what is my favorite? And then 
which one do I think is the scariest? Yes. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, now that's easy, actually. My favorite is the Xenomorph from Alien. Great choice. And it's also, to me, the scariest because they are purely instinctual. Um, They reproduce, they feed, and that's it. And you can't reason with them. You can't negotiate with them. If they see you, you're dead. (laughs) And I thought the way that Ridley Scott um, portrayed that and the way that he combined really two genres, horror and science fiction, was brilliant in the original Alien. And then I think that James Cameron just took that mantle in Aliens and kind of just notched everything up to the nth degree. So that's my answer to both of your questions is that it's the Xenomorph from Alien. I mean, when I saw that when I was younger, it gave me nightmares. That's a great choice. The Xenomorph is just is iconic in so many ways. So it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to beat that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, H.R. Geiger, um, he was disturbed, but very talented. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yo, my friend in middle school had a bunch of H.R. Geiger posters and stuff. It was before. Oh, was God. Like, yeah, it, it was exactly what you think it was and actually explained a lot about him. Not in any bad oh, way, but just like I was like, OK, this is uh, this is context now. It just in hindsight. <laughs> Well, I went to college with someone, and uh, I'm a bit older than you guys, so I'm 50. So when I was in school, this was in the late uh, 80s, early 90s. And a friend of mine, I remember, he was an art major, and he loved Geiger's work. And he showed me there was some type of art book that he had purchased. It was really expensive, really nice, but I couldn't get through it. It was just nightmarish. But the guy is talented, so that's undeniable. (laughs) <laughs> Something to be commended there. Yeah, definitely. The Absolutely. Ne- the next question I have for you, um, and this is more of a personal one, uh, is kind of just what's on your, what would you consider is on your geek card? So I, I, we, all of us here, uh, generally I would say self-proclaimed geeks. We like nerdy things, sci-fi, fantasy, mm-hmm. horror. Um, what are your major fandoms? What are your major influences? And what drew you to, to kind of making making the seventh matrix or, or being, being kind of this go-to source for, for sci-fi fantasy? Oh, sure. Well, I call myself a blurred, and I don't know if you two have heard that term, but it's just a black nerd, blurred. And uh, I was a blurred long before it was fashionable. Again, I came of age in, let's see, I was a child growing up in the late 70s. And then my teenage years, which is another reason why I love Stranger Things, was in the early 80s. So that show really resonates with me. But this was before being a geek or being a nerd was popular in the cultural zeitgeist. So I read comic books. Um, Gosh, let's see. I also love science fiction. I'm going to tell you what really inspired my love of sci-fi is in reruns, I watched the original Star Trek show. Yes. And what grabbed my attention was not only did it have an inclusive cast, and I was so young that I really couldn't articulate at that time, that's what drew me to the show, but also when I saw Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura, that sold me on science fiction because her role was so rare. You rarely saw black people on television, and if you did, it was in really stereotypical roles that were not that um, favorable, you know, were not that, uh, not that great, you know, either we were the comic relief or, 
uh, we were the thugs that was being called, or for the women, they were the prostitutes, or some menial, the maid, or something like that. To see this beautiful black woman who was accomplished, and she was on the command deck of a spaceship blue my mind and it really opened me up to how the genre of speculative fiction does that it asks what if and it explores all different possibilities and that's why i love it so and i've always been drawn to science fiction and fantasy i'm also an avid reader so i read a lot um, i really fell in love with the chronicles of narnia by c.s lewis but then i discovered octavia butler and God, I've read Raymond E. Feist. Uh, so I was a big, big nerd. And in the terms of comic books, I grew up on the John Byrne run of the Fantastic Four and Chris Claremont's work on X-Men. And on DC side, I love the Legion of Superheroes, Justice League. So as you can tell by me going on and on, yeah, I'm a big, big geek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blurred, recognized blurred. Yeah, yeah. One thing I do dislike about, you mentioned about fandoms, yeah. um, is that I hate that that question that inevitably gets asked about Star Trek is Star Trek or Star Wars. I say both. Oh, 100% and they agree. Both, yeah, they coexist and they both actually, they both actually um, serve different purposes in science fiction. You know, Star Wars is groundbreaking, but it is just pure adventure. It does have some underlying themes, but Star Trek really does focus on tackling social issues. So I think you could have both, and I hate when I see that online. Well, which one is better and one is better than the other? Why is, why is there a comparison? I've never understood that. Uh, agreed. I know. They, they I, both I, have the word star in it, Rod. Come on. You have to, you have oh, to okay. Yeah. Gotta, Silly me. Got to yeah. throw Stargate in there then, too. Yeah. Which I yeah, love as well. Stars, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they have to be head to head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for your answers, Rod. Those are, that's great. It's wonderful to hear all that. All that um, it's, it's, it's always fascinating to me to just to hear like what brings people to, to just fandom or just to what they love. I think that's it's a kind of an inspiring thing to always hear about um oh sure but thanks it, for your questions yeah i just have one what does the seventh matrix mean exactly rod i'm glad that you asked that there is a story to that um and i'm gonna try and be brief and, and joe i'm also gonna answer uh another question you had earlier i think that i kind of missed uh but what caused me to create the seventh matrix was several years ago a quite an acquaintance of mine had a sci-fi podcast of his own and we used to talk and geek out online and i would love to go on youtube and i began discovering all of these short science fiction and fantasy films but no one was talking about them and i would share them with my friend and he said you know rod you need to start a, a website and you need to just curate and combine and add all of these discoveries that you're finding on this website. And I thought, you know what, that's a great idea. And that's how the seventh matrix was born. Now, Khalid, to answer your question about the name, the number seven has always been my favorite number. I don't know why. I just have always had an affinity for it. So my favorite science fiction movie of all time is the original Matrix. So I combined the two, the seventh Matrix. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted a name that would kind of 
invoke you know science fiction and the fantastical without being really uh, obvious like you know sci-fi shortfilms.com and one of my favorite websites is io9 and i like the fact that io9 is kind of unusual but you kind of get a feel for what the content is so that's why i created the seventh matrix now this is interesting i interviewed a filmmaker on my podcast and i didn't realize this he said well Rod, did you know that in the matrix sequels is revealed that the current form of the matrix that they're dealing with is the seventh iteration of that matrix i i had no idea about that connection so that's kind of serendipitous there but yeah that's how the name came to be and it just sounds super cool actually that's that's my thing oh, well thank I like you about it yeah <laughs> well thanks I'm, I'm glad um and the seventh matrix relates a lot to our topic today we, you you focus a lot on sci-fi short films and web series and that happens to be our topic today khalid do you want to just give us like an introduction into into what we're doing yeah um how do we want to do this exactly because i mean we have five different synopses but basically we're talking about five short films that you and rod helped uh curate for this discussion um the movies we'll be doing or i guess short films that we'll be doing are the birch blackwood the fisherman dark wake and dispel so I guess as we go through each one, I can kind of give a quick synopsis of it be right before we go into it. Sounds great. Yeah, we're going to go through them in that order, spend a little bit of time discussing, and then we have something kind of fun at the end. Yeah, okay, sounds go. great. All right. What a monster. They're creatures of the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive! So the first one we're going to start with is The Birch. From, that's two, from 2017 on Crypt TV. Khalid, take it away. Cool. So The Birch, directed and written by Ben Franklin and Anthony Melton. It's about a bullied schoolboy who takes drastic measures against his tormentor, summoning an ancient being in the woods using a spellbound book passed down through the generations of his family. Rod, what would you think of this one? I loved it. I was not familiar with it at all. And so I was very curious. And when I watched it, I thought everything about it was fantastic. I don't know about you two, but I definitely got Blair Witch vibes because of the the wooden icon that represents the, the creature that's involved. And are we entering spoiler territory with sure. this discussion? Yeah, we can do that. Or? Spoiler okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I thought because of the woods and that kind of the creepy atmosphere that's inherent in wooded areas and, and then the young man has the little icon or the little symbol for the creature and then when it's revealed, I definitely thought Blair Witch, but what I liked about it was that this creature really was a protector for the protagonist because he was bullied and of course that's a real issue that we're grappling with as well and i just like the message of it and i really thought that it was well done very atmospheric very creepy agreed 100 percent. i really liked it, it kind of felt uh like it's it's firmly a horror story but it feels like fairy tale-esque in a lot of ways yes yes yeah i really like that too um and i and i also like what you said about the the creature being a protector in a sense but i also like that that felt just a little ambiguous like she's definitely a protector but we're not 100 percent sure like the i guess quote unquote goodness of her ultimately like at the end there's that shot of when like her stick hands are wrapping around the boy's hand it's like is is this a good thing that he's getting himself into or not 
Yeah, and definitely too, uh, Joe, that's a good point, as well as how the boy's bully is dispatched. It's pretty gruesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this creature is extremely dangerous, and you really don't know um, the temperament of it. It's just kind of left up in the air. Right. Khalid, what do you think? So it's interesting, Rod, that you uh, you got uh, memories of Blair Witch. For me, I got memories of, uh, I think it was the Japanese version of Death Note when I saw it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was telling Joe, um, while this one wasn't my like favorite in terms of like its own story of the ones that we saw, it was my favorite in terms of the potential of the story. It's everything both of you guys were kind of mentioning where there was something kind of almost sinister at the end of the short with with the monster and you weren't entirely sure of its intentions and that's kind of where the death note of it all comes in without spoiling that movie too much there's this idea of like this kid that may have in the beginning been justifiably like protected but you could even tell with him that it, if you wanted to you could you could make this story a little bit more like about like the the origins of a villain, somebody who uses this creature for for evil, and that was what's so interesting to me. Hmm, that's a great point too. I didn't even think about that, but I love that, Khalid. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, but I mean, I liked it a lot overall. Like just for the story itself, I also thought there was something kind of just like the conceptually very sweet about uh, the grandma that just like knew that she wasn't going to be there for him and wanted to protect him. That always hits me right in the soft spot of like wanting to make sure the people you care about are protected after you're gone. Yeah. I think that leads into Joe's point about it having a fairy tale S type of, of feel to it. Yeah. That definitely lent to that feeling. I would think. Right. I uh I went into did a little research on this one. Um, the creature design itself was uh, the designer is a, a guy named Cliff Wallace who apparently worked on uh, the Hellboy two, which is kind of cool. Uh, I could see some oh like, wow some influences there. But he did a Reddit AMA, and I found a quote that I wanted to pull from him about the design. He says, "quote I like a lot of fashion design. She's really just an incredibly tall woman in a long skirt and opera gloves wearing a really big hat." About 20 years ago, I worked, on a, <laughs> I worked on a commercial in the UK where people were body painted to blend into trees in a birch forest. The black and white always struck me as very graphic, and that stayed with me all the time. There's some great lore around birch trees, and that was definitely an inspiration, too. That is fascinating. And I do have to admit that the creature design was extraordinary, really, really creepy and well done. Agree. That was like. I, that, that's what initially inspired me to do this podcast is I'd seen that short film. And I was like, that is such a cool creature. You almost wish that they would delve more into the story. I want to see where it goes because it's really kind of ambiguous in terms of what the young man, the protagonist, what he's going to do with this new ally, we think, that kind of has empowered him because he has been the subject of bullying for so long. That could also take a darker turn depending on what the writer has intended. So I would love to see that explored more. Love it. Again, like the potential for this kind of story is what's the most exciting. Honestly, I just keep thinking about it. And this even works as just like a neat prologue to what an actual movie is about. You know, like if you just wanted to absolutely even a time jump to when he's an adult and then you start to slowly figure out what he's been doing with this creature. Right. So if any anybody listening hasn't gotten a chance to check this one out, it's it, we found it on YouTube. It's part of a, a larger brand called Crypt TV, 
which uh, I found is a, it's kind of a web-based content distributor focused on horror stories with a specific focus on monsters, which is definitely right up the alley of anyone listening to this podcast, I'm <laughs> sure. But uh, it apparently has like, you know, people like Eli Roth and Jason Bloom are involved to some capacity. So it's got a got a, a, a strong backing. And, and, and I think at the, the point is to serve to like help uplift uh, creative voices that might not get the opportunity otherwise to put out like monster things. So definitely check it out. Looks uh, it looks like it has a lot of cool stuff. I want to check out some more of their things. Um, to your point, Khalid, there is a, a web series that was made to follow this short film called The Birch. Um, it's on Facebook watch or facebook i'm not sure what facebook channel um but (laughs) (laughs) i I watched the trailer it had a bit more of a slasher vibe so i was a little uh unsure but if if any of our listeners has seen it please uh, let us know if it's good and worthwhile please oh that's interesting yeah (laughs) yeah um but uh keeping this moving we're going to move on to the next uh short film on our list which is uh blackwood Blackwood is about Nikki, a sound recordist who tries to discover the source of a mysterious sound whilst she is recording on location in a forest. Boom. That's, that's quick that's, and succinct. That description I got. <laughs> Short and sweet. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, this is a cool one. This one, Rod, you suggested this one. So why don't you go ahead and start? What do you think? Yes, I loved it. And it came to my attention because... Fortunately, my website has been around long enough that a lot of filmmakers send me their work for consideration, and and I think that's just fantastic, and I consider that a privilege. This was written and directed by an Australian filmmaker by the name of Andrew Montague, and he emailed me, and he said, Rod, I'd love for you to take a look at this short film that I did, and I hope you like it. And I saw it and watched it, and I think it's one of the best that I've seen just because on one level, it's kind of meta. You have this sound recordist named Nikki, and she's actually working on the set of a horror film. And this is a horror short film. So I kind of love that little kind of tongue in cheek nod to the genre. But what really impressed me about this was not only was it well shot and well written and well acted, but the, the, the other character in this short film, and I don't know if you two will agree or not, is the sound design. And that's why I encouraged my listeners and my readers of my website that when they watched Blackwood, make sure you have on a pair of headphones because so much is going on with the sound design in this film. And it is just spectacular. So it's another favorite. Agreed. I I love this. This this might be might be my favorite. I'm not 100 percent sure. I like them all, but this might be my favorite. <laughs> Um, it's hard to choose. It is really hard, <laughs> but I, I I agree with you 100 percent on the on the sound being like the other character. Um, I think I've had a we've had a couple conversations like this in the past in this podcast about how how much sound can really play in to to crafting an effective monster or just an effective horror experience. Like um, yes, um, on the last podcast we had uh, we had Nicole on my wife as a guest, and she said. Um, some of the scariest monsters to her are the quiet ones or the silent ones. And so sound plays a big part for her. Um, like the I would agree. Yeah. And, but I also think in another capacity, like we talked about Attack the Block in the past and how and we looked at how how much effort went into crafting the noise that the aliens make or, or think about like an aware, American werewolf in London, like what they use to make that, that howl. Um, there's, just, oh, yes. there's just so much effort that goes into like creating something unique with a monster and with the noise that it makes i think i think that's really cool how this movie explores that khalid what do you think 
Um, yeah, I pretty much gotta echo what you guys said again. Like, this is just a really solid movie. Rod, you make a great point about the sound design being the, like, second lead in this short film. It's super awesome. And, um, I guess for me, what's great about this story is that I actually work in production. So, like, I've been on sets and stuff like that. And it's this thing where when you're on a when you're when you're in a work environment full of storytellers like inevitably somebody almost always says like we should do a story about about us you know and, and i know that that goes for just about every workplace like somebody's always like oh we should have a tv show about our job but there's something so <laughs> true there's something so inherent to, to to doing a story about storytellers and the like the team and the work that goes into it that when it's done right like this one it's really fun to see and kind of just rewarding and gratifying and i just i love that the, it starts with the short film or the film that they're working on and then like pulls out and you're in the actual story and all of that was super cool um showing love to the sound department which uh, I'm on a few meme groups and they definitely get the brunt of the jokes uh, because, you know, there's something about even though sound is 50% of a film, if you're being like just logical about what is important, um, they, they kind of they get the, the, the shaft on set as far as priorities go. And it's always they're always like, you're going to regret it in the edit. You know, uh, that's just that's just how it's going to go. So it's nice to it's nice to see them get some vindication in a story that so much like prioritizes sound. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome. I liked it a lot. And I would have to agree with you, Khalid, on that, too, because also what I love about this short film is that it is a love letter to the sound crews that are on productions because they really don't get enough recognition for the work that they do because joe like you said and your wife um also commented on that sound in a film is very important and you know if you don't have the right sound um it can really throw off a production and i also like too that um Again, it's a love letter to sound design, and it really kind of draws you in. You don't know what's going to happen. You have all these different sound cues. So it really is a singular viewing experience. What do you all think of the, now that we're deep in spoiler territory and we've clarified that, that last, that last scene? <laughs> I'll jump in real quick, man. I was mad. I, I hate, <laughs> like, jump scares so much. And this one didn't even do a regular jump scare. It did that like slow build thing. That door, I was watching that door like a hawk. I was like, you're not going to get me. It got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think if I have one criticism about the film is that I think it would have been more effective if you didn't see the entity if she reacted to it, but you as a viewer didn't know what it was she was reacting to, and it ended on that note, I think it would have had even more of an impact. That's just what I feel. I kind of agree with you. I, I For as much as we love monsters on this podcast, I kind of feel like the last, the last moment was probably my least favorite part. But that being said, I, I did go back and rewatch it a few times, and I, I, I like froze it right when the monster's jumping out to try to see exactly what it looked like. <laughs> um, which was actually kind of fun for me, just like like in the design. It actually kind of looks like a like an evil Groot, you know. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> when I saw it, I thought this creature looks kind of familiar, but for the life of me, I couldn't place it. And you're right; it does look like 
a deranged group. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna stop this uh, conversation right here for a second. Say, are you guys just assuming Groot isn't evil? Like, uh, do either of you speak tree? Because I don't. I uh, we don't know his intentions. That's all I'm saying. Oh, right? look now, we can't have Groot hate. No, sorry. Uh. Uh-uh. It's more groups. It's group skepticism. All right. I've got a whole YouTube video you should watch. I've got, it's a whole string on corkboard theory. All right. You, you'll be oh, God. at the end of it. Murder <laughs> That is too cool. All right. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is uh, I think it's from tw- 2015. Is a film called The Fisherman. Yes. Cool. So The Fisherman. And let me just say real quick, Blackwood, I forgot to give a shout out. It was written and directed by Andrew Montague. So just to give props to a filmmaker doing their thing. Um, So for The Fisherman, which was written and directed by Alejandro Suarez Lozano, it is about Mr. Wong, who is a third generation fisherman in Hong Kong, struggling to keep the tradition alive. One night, he decides to leave the crowded waters of the harbor and fish in calmer waters. His luck changes when he catches something that does not belong to this world. And this was another one that uh, Rod recommended to us. So uh, I'll let you start again, Rod. What would you think of this one? Out of all the short films that we're going to cover, this one feels to me personally the most ambitious and cinematic. And that's what drew me in when I discovered it. And I wrote about this film back in 2017. So it's it's been around for a while and it has won a lot of awards internationally and well-deservedly so. And what's wild about it, though, is that I rewatched the film in preparation for me appearing on your podcast, and it seems even more prescient and relevant now because the protagonist is dealing with trying to preserve his way of life, which is kind of fading. Um, He's in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong Kong is super modern, and he's trying to find his place um, in this new paradigm. And now, of course, we're all dealing with this global pandemic, and we're all trying to kind of reorient ourselves. And that just kind of struck with me uh, about this film, even though it was filmed years before the circumstances that what we're dealing with. But it's a beautiful movie. Um, it is, advice is one of my all-time favorites as far as all the ones that I've covered because it is so ambitious. It was actually shot um, in Hong Kong and it is a true international production because the writer and director is Spanish and it was, from what I understand, a production that was a collaboration between a production crew in Hong Kong and also the Spanish film crew as well. And I think what they were able to accomplish from the visual effects to the story, the main actor is amazing. So this gets five out of five stars from me, definitely. Khalid, what did you think? Yo, this this is my favorite one of the of the five. It just it looked like a major motion picture that I could legitimately see myself like I, if I caught a trailer of it and there was like a feature length version of it, I would be like, yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I got like strong just uh, Bong Joon Ho host vibes from it, uh, and it it really delivered. Um, it, it also kind of in the same vein as the Birch, just like made me want to see a feature length version of it and i guess like the difference would be whereas like the birch i would want it to just continue that story i would love for the fisherman to just be one of like maybe like 
Basically, I want this to be like Hong Kong's version of Independence Day. You know, I want to see this guy and like <laughs> five or six other like stories of Hong Kong citizens that just in a way kind of represent the different elements of that of that city. And maybe I guess China even like in general, if you wanted to do China and we just see like all of these walks of life coming together to knock out some mean old aliens. I would buy a ticket, Khalid. Thank you. I'm in talks with with, the, with China right now. <laughs> <laughs> we will get this out to you ASAP. Uh, while you, both of you guys were talking, I just realized the whole time I was nodding my head like like the people listening can see me. But I, I agree with you all. <laughs> you, you guys just, just hit the nail on the head with this this film. It, it's it's so cinematic. It's ambitious. It's, it's just really cool. Um, I love that we really don't know much about the monsters like he catches a small small like creature at first that we don't know that escapes and i don't even know if we know that if, if it's that one that becomes bigger that comes back or if it's another one that's bigger that comes and attacks him um right but uh but i love the ambiguity and it's just it's just it's it's scary like it's it's a truly scary concept and and, and it, and it kind of gives me some almost lovecraft vibes you know like that um sort of like cosmic-y kind of horror element you know Oh yeah, yeah, Cthulhu-esque, definitely. Yeah, like the, especially with the tentacly squid-like stuff. <laughs> and yeah. I would defy anyone who watches this short film to not believe that millions were not spent on it. And it is just amazing what this independent film crew were able to accomplish. It looks like, like Khalid said, a a major blockbuster picture. And I just watched it and I rewatched it and I rewatched it again. And each time I was just blown away by it. And also too, um, I don't want to mispronounce the actor's name, but the gentleman that plays the protagonist, Mr. Wong, his face is so expressive and you really feel his inner turmoil and you really come to invest in him and in his plight. And I think that's also a key to, to the success of this short film. I wrote the same thing in my notes that his that the, the actor who played just just is so expressive and 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 just tell says so much with just an expression without even saying anything. Yeah, absolutely. He's so petty too. I just love that. You know, <laughs> I, I love I love me a petty protagonist. You know, somebody that isn't just like so like neatly within the lines, relatable and like an audience by proxy type of person. Like he doesn't have questions. He doesn't he doesn't have anything other than like a sheer desire to catch something huge in that ocean and it happened to be an alien so that was that was super cool to see um the writing is really sharp too uh i i, I think that w less is more with a story like this and just introducing his problem immediately and leaving it in the backdrop when that when the real problem starts was such a good call um, yeah, it was just it was just very deftly put together and another great argument for short films and like patronizing them more. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good one. If, if anyone listening hasn't seen it yet, definitely, definitely check this one out. Great film. Oh, I forgot to mention there was a cool description. I can't remember if it was on your website. I think it was on I think I, I read it on your uh, article about it. But did you call it Jaws meets Aliens in the Waters of Hong Kong? Um, no, I did not. But that I agree. That is a good description. Um, I called it evocative of sci-fi classics like Aliens and the Thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I would say for me, it's uh, it's Moby Dick if he had to hunt the Kraken. Like that's that's yes, I, yeah. <laughs> Love it. 
the next the next film we're going to touch on is uh, a film from 2018 called Dark Wake. Okay, guys, if you thought the bl- the Blackwood description was short. <laughs> <laughs> A lonely recluse lives a recurring nightmare, period. Wow. The end. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and it was written and directed by Abdul Ali. This is a really interesting one. Uh, I, I feel like this one, I'm not sure if ambitious is the right word, but it's the most experimental of the group that we have. Yes. I think. Um, Rod, on your site, you wrote uh, you wrote that it's evo- like the monsters in it are evocative of Guillermo del Toro, which I 100% agree with. You also said, and I wanted to quote you on this one from your site. You said it freaked you the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to <laughs> speak to that? You want me to elaborate on that? Okay, yeah. even further. I forget how this short film came to my attention, but when I saw it, it did creep me out in a good way. And I remember thinking the writer and director, what was he on or was he, (laughs) was he going through something? Um, But it is just, it defies description. You really need to see it, but it is like you're watching someone having a nightmare. This guy just wakes up and it's completely black. And then this creature appears out of the wall, but you can only see his jawline, and that's horrifying enough. And then he opens his bedroom door, and different creatures come in, and some eat him, and some don't. And there's, it's just crazy, but in a good way. And I really did think, especially with the creature designs, that it was reminiscent of Guillermo del Toro's work. Um, again, in a good way. And it's really hard to describe, but it is uh, nightmarish. And I think what really chilled me too um, about the film is that the, the, the kind of infernal guide that is telling this man, you know, what's going, well, not what's going on, but that he's in a very precarious situation. Um, the guy asks him, he says, well, am I inhaled? And, and the creature goes, innocence have been held here so no you're not and i'm thinking for some reason that has just resonated and stayed with me it is extremely creepy and so for people who are looking for horror that is joe i love your description experimental but well done this is the ticket right yeah it's 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 very existential in that way like it is a question just like what's going on what 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 is my reality right now we we don't know i mean the characters don't right the actual protagonist is unreliable because you don't know if he's actually in this alternate dimension or if he's hallucinating or if he's disturbed or if he's on drugs you just don't know right yeah it's (laughs) so many i wrote in my notes so many questions (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, yeah. Khalid, what do you think? Um, I guess the word that comes to mind with this one is disorienting. Rod brought up a good point about how this feels like a nightmare, and I think that's the perfect way to put it. Um, there was, a, I'm the kind of person that I always try to think about it from like a writerly standpoint, so I think about like what the metaphor is, and even if it's not clean or neat, I try to at least like put some kind of metaphor to a story, especially like with genre stuff like horror or sci-fi. And this was hard for me to make any kind of metaphor out of. I, I, I guess at times I thought maybe it's an addiction metaphor or a depression metaphor, and while those work, it's never as neat as that would imply. So I, 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 I hesitate to even ascribe those to it. Um, 
But I guess just talking about it on its own merits, like I loved the way that it was, like the room was designed. Um, I loved that whole thing about the the door hole where you can only see that the helpful monster's mouth. Which I kept waiting for the <laughs> monster to be a jerk. I was, just, I, I, which I guess just shows my own biases. I, y- you see something with like that messed up of a lower half of a face, and you go, well, that thing's gonna. That that's like your tormentor, isn't it? And it wasn't. It it was, it was caping for this dude, and I was very surprised. And it it seemed just as sad about the circumstances as the the main character, which was cool to see. Um, I, the ending was also just super confusing. And that whole like, I don't know. I it, for some reason I kept thinking about that like. I don't know if it's a religion or a story or something I've heard before, but like the idea that like the whole world is on the back of a turtle. Um, that's when that thing came out. I was like, Oh, or is, <laughs> is like the earth going to be on it or something? <laughs> so um, I, and I also didn't know why that was like the scariest thing you could possibly see. So that was also kind of confusing, but overall I liked it. And I, I actually appreciated the disorienting nature of it because it made it that much more unsettling. The director, I, cu- I couldn't find a lot about the director online, but I found uh, the webpage for this short, and I, he has, like, uh, designs that he made of the monsters and the creatures, and, the, and that final, the giant fish one, is called the River Man, apparently. Wow. And I tried, too, to find out, Joe, when I originally wrote the piece, uh, more about the director, but I just found his official website. And I kind of also, as for me, the to the allure of the short film, is say you don't know that much about this guy, but he is extremely talented, and I honestly hope that we see more from him. And I think he was the one himself who did a lot of the creature design. So I, I, it makes me feel like... Like the film itself is 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 a vehicle for the designs that this guy might have had in his head. That's just speculation, of course, but that's that's kind of how this feels a little bit to me. Right, almost like a, a calling card of sorts. Right. Do uh do you guys have uh, so I think we saw like four four maybe five monsters total. Do you guys have a favorite monster from this short? The one that had the four eyes and the horrific mouth. That was my favorite one because that's the one that really, well, all of them are horrible, but that's the one that really terrified me the most. I think it was the one that devoured the guy at one point. That was, the, that was the first one, I think, right? That was, that was, was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, the one that had the four eye looking things and the huge, huge jaw, that's, that's my favorite. That got me too. I wrote that one down. It, it reminded me a little bit of like almost like a cross of the, the xenomorph and like a pumpkin head type thing. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> How about you? Khalid? I couldn't articulate that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say the four eyed monster, but then you told me that that turtle thing was called the river man. So I'm with river man. That's a cool name. <laughs> that um, is. Like, that he is. sounds like he's got like a bluegrass band or something. I would go like check out. I would. Watch. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything about this short film is cool and very disturbing, so I highly recommend it because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Um, The final film that we're going to talk about today, and this is by no means the end of our recommendation list. I'm hoping we'll do another episode, and there's so many great short films out there for monster lovers. But, Khalid, take it away. It's Dispel. When young Lizzie learns her older brother is moving out, she realizes she will be left at home alone with her monster of a mother. Armed with the lessons of her favorite TV show, Celeste Skygood, Lizzie battles to save her mother from the dark forces that have transformed her. Um, this one, I, 
this this is definitely the least scary of them and the monster is like the kind of the smallest part of this film um but i really want to ex- include it because i really like this one and uh rod I, I i believe you did an interview on your podcast with uh with the director of this one didn't you I did. The writer and director is a talented young woman by the name of Kylie Eaton. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her last year about this film. And it was a great conversation. And she went on to say, essentially, this short film is a metaphor for addiction that she wrote. She herself is personally uh, a sober person. And so she wanted to show how the loved ones of a person who is addicted, she just wanted to write a story about their experience. And of course she tells that experience through the eyes of young Lizzie, who is portrayed by Eris Baker, who is a phenomenal young actress from This Is Us. Yeah, it's 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 really poignant. It comes through really well. What, what I kind of took from it too, uh, I saw the addiction metaphor, um, but um, it, personally in my own family, there's a history of addiction with, uh, uh, close family members and what i really appreciated about this was the the idea that the monster was harming the mother who was addicted and that the addiction right. wasn't necessarily a flaw of personality or a character flaw or a personality defect it was something that was harming her too it was it was treated as sort of what it is it's a disease an affliction that you know that hopefully someone can overcome rather than that pro- that person is a problem Exactly. And unfortunately, I've, I've had experiences with loved ones who have dealt with addiction as well. And also what I loved about the ending, the ending of the film as well, and Kylie Eaton kind of confirmed this, she said it wasn't a message that love overcomes all. That's not really what she was trying to say in the film, but it's just that when you are loving someone and dealing with someone, dealing with someone who is addicted in your life, really the only thing that you can do is offer them support and love and hope that that somehow helps them to get the help and support that they actually need. Um, and other, another aspect of this short that I really enjoyed too was anything with Gina Torres in it, I'm sold. <laughs> yes, sir. And she doesn't have a big part, but um, it is a significant one. And I also love, too, that the entire Celeste Skygood um, show and intellectual property that this young girl, Lizzie, that she's so infatuated with, is an intentional love letter to the science fiction shows of the 90s, like Xena and Hercules and, and shows like that. And uh, Kylie did confirm that. So I love that whole aesthetic that she gave to the short film, that dimension of it, and how Lizzie actually brings forth her hero to kind of help her deal with her mother and and the entire situation that her family finds itself enmeshed in. So, Joe, I agree. It's poignant. It's a very beautiful film. Right. And and it's fun. Like you said, it's fun. Like that magical realism element and and just sort of like the the nostalgia piece is super fun. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I would watch... Celeste Skygood. If that was a show on TV, I would watch it. Amen. I know you would, Joe. <laughs> you'd watch it, and then you'd text me every week asking if I've seen it. <laughs> that's, that's the trash. Oh, he, Joe, you got called out. That is too funny. What do you think of this wow. movie, Khalid? Um, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it, it was really sweet. Um, 
I would say that this was definitely the most character-driven of the ones we saw. With I guess you could argue the fisherman, but even that turns more towards plot near the end. With this one, it was all about Lizzie and her brother for the most part and that relationship and then the specter of the mother and even the way they wrap it up at the end is so much more about the character of the mother than it is about the monster. And like I was saying, I, I look at these stories through the lens of a writer and I always appreciate when the plot is always is in service to the characters. So that's what that's what really made me appreciate this story. And it, uh, just discussing it now, it also made me think about what Rod was saying about blurred culture and uh, the the power of like a character like Nichelle Nichols. I feel like Gina Torres was definitely in that same wheelhouse with this character. And I think that's what's nice about blurred culture that doesn't always necessarily come out is that um, we also are looking for characters in popular culture to latch onto and to try and uh, understand our own problems through because it's so much easier to address a problem and go, okay, how would so-and-so do it? And Gina Torres is a big part of that. Like, I remember growing up, I must have been like, 10 or 11 when Angel first came on and then she was a big character in the fourth season and I remember seeing her then which was like she always stuck with me for her performance um, and then eventually she went on to be uh, a super awesome sci-fi action hero in her own right with um, so, uh, not Serenity what was it uh, Firefly Firefly yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I loved having her in here. I feel like it wasn't an accident that she was cast outside of just being a talented actress. I think that um, I, I, I don't want to speak for the director, Kylie, but I feel like she played a big role growing up for a lot of blurs. Uh, well, Kylie, may I interject very quickly since you brought that up about Gina's casting? Uh, and I don't want to make us run long, so I apologize. But I, I really do have to share this. When I spoke with Kylie, I asked her, I said, did you write this specifically for Gina? And she said she did, but she didn't think that Gina would be interested. She thought, well, I wrote it for her because Gina Torres is a personal hero of hers in terms of the genre. And she said, well, I'm going to write it for Gina, but I know she won't ever do it. And one of her production um, assistants said, ask Gina, just send it to her and see. And if she does, great. But if she doesn't, then we'll go on and cast. And that's what happened. She sent uh, Gina the script. Gina loved it. Um, she called Gina and they discussed it and she agreed to do it. So sometimes you have not because you ask not. I, I thought that was a great story. That's really sweet to hear, actually. And honestly, just it makes me like Gina Torres that much more. Like I already, I, I already had such high regard for her as an actress. She's so talented, but that's that's really sweet to hear too. That like she's a good person on top of it all. Look, I think we three are the billionth chapter of the Gina Torres fan club. So let's just <laughs> let's just cop to it here and now. <laughs> I've already got the shirts printed. Send me one, Khalid. <laughs> <laughs> I got I you, it. Rod. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, normally for people who listen to this podcast, the uh, last segment or close to the end segment, one of the things we do because we're usually talking about one monster is Khalid does a fight it or flirt it segment. Have you heard that before, Rod? Yes, I, I have. It's, it's been kind of a fun thing we do, but it's a little bit harder with a bunch of monsters. So what we decided to do for this one is we're going to do kind of a monster rumble segment. And this okay. is just the idea is to try to take each monster out of the context of the story they're in 
and and just think if they were all put into a ring together, which monster do you think would come out on top of the? I was gonna say five, but there's like four or five just in Dark Wake. Out of all of the ones that we saw, which monster do you think might be the most powerful, and which one do you think um, would win in that situation? Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Let me think. I believe the creatures in Dark Wake because they are so otherworldly and so bizarre and we really don't know anything about them. Well, we really don't know that much about any of the creatures, but they're just so wild, you know, in terms of of their appearance and we don't know their motivations. Um, I think that they would win out because um, let's just go with the short film we were just discussing, Dispel. The creature is actually a metaphor for addiction. And, you know, that's really hard. But fortunately, people do overcome and recover from addiction. So um, and then I think with um, Birch, I don't. I think the birch would put up a good fight, but I think the creatures in Dark Wake would just overwhelm it by sheer numbers. Let's see here. And then we had the aliens and the fishermen. That's going to be close because, again, they are otherworldly in and of themselves. We don't know that much about them. So I think it's going to come down to the creatures um, in the fishermen in Dark Wake. I think the creature in Blackwood wouldn't stand a chance. I think the creature from the Birch would beat it. So that's what I'm going to go with. It's going to come down to the creatures from the Fisherman and Dark Wake. But I think I'm going to give the edge to the creatures in Dark Wake. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, Khalid, do you have something in mind? Um. Okay. So I guess I, I'm of the mind that, like, if we're saying – it's just as many of the monsters that were featured, then sure. Dark Wake, I think, wins by a mile, especially with uh, my homie, the River Man. Um, <laughs> just by sheer size and the implications of what it can do, I don't know how you could beat it because it sounds like you'd have to be on its level or like its playing field to even address it. Um, but I, I also, I don't know. I, I feel like if, we're, if it's a sheer numbers thing, then the fisherman also has a claim just by the fact that by the end of the movie spoiler alert uh hong kong is devastated it's attacked by like it's an invasion so at that point you're talking about like a monster alien army that being said he also killed one of them with a harpoon so doesn't seem like if it was going up against another monster let alone a bunch of other humans that it would be like very difficult to kill um, and then I'm also partial to the monster and the birch. Like m right now, if I'm the needle is moving towards the birch monster, just because I I feel like we only saw a little bit of what it could do against like a teenage boy, and it wasn't even trying. So I gotta think it's got a few more tricks <laughs> up its sleeve, and could could maybe do could maybe do a few more things that we just haven't considered. Great points too. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. I am I'm actually going to take a little bit of a left turn from some of the things that you guys said and I actually think the dark wake creatures would not do well in this situation because I and here and hear okay. me out on this one. I think so we see in the in the in the in the film that um, the way he's finally able to overcome 
like the the monsters that come eating him every time. He he listens. I think it was Claire de Lune, right? He listens to he li- remembers a song and he he stops being afraid of them, right? So presumably sure it was right. brick house, Joe. Was it brick house? That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but presumably they feed off fear, and I think if it was monster v monster v monster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other monsters wouldn't really be afraid of the dark wake monsters, so I think they're out. Okay. Uh, but uh, and I think I think the Groot creature from the Blackwood is also out. I th- I, I'm with your rod on that one. Um, so for me, it kind of goes between the squid creatures and the birch, the the fisherman creatures. I think I th- I'm with you on that, and I think I think the the squid creatures because of numbers and just the destruction that we saw the birch just because there's so much mystery to it. Um, and I will as an addendum to that just say like despite me taking out the dark weight creatures we do learn at the end that the river man kind of came after he defeated the others so actually probably the river man realistically is the one that would win so i guess good for you khalid your buddy but um, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's a heart i think it's between the squid creatures the birch and again i guess i'll throw in the river man guys this was hard it's hard isn't it yeah, this is very, very difficult. So, but that just goes to show the power of a good creature feature. Agreed. Creature features are wonderful. Yeah. 100% agree. Um, Khalid, I'm going to throw a wrench your way. Uh, out of all the creatures, which one would you flirt with? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the dispel creature just because I know that eventually it turns into a pretty like 30 something year old mom. Uh, the rest <laughs> of the, like, it's like, I, I, for me, it's the, I don't get me wrong. I know I'm, I'm flirting with the monster version, but it's like, she's basically the closest thing we have in all of these to a werewolf. And for me, it's like, I don't know if, if, if you're, if you're pretty enough and cool enough and whatever, yeah, you turn into a monster once a month. We, we all got problems. <laughs> Good choice. Interesting. I actually <laughs> thought you were going to go with the monster in the wall in Dark Wake, the woman who you only see the lower half of their jaw. Nah, oh, so creepy. Nah. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're going to move on next to our final segment of the episode and then wrap it up just for time's sake. We're going on long. Every episode, I feel like we're going long, but it's fun. More content for everyone. But uh, our final segment is... Um, We've been trying to figure out a name for it, um, kind of like a ask me about section. Khalid suggested what the fandom, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just the idea is we'll go around and say just what, what are we into right now? What, are, what, are we, what would we recommend? What do you want people to ask, ask you more about? So just in, in terms of like what's your, what's your obsession right now, basically? So uh, Khalid, why don't you start us off? What, what are you into? What would you like to plug or recommend? Uh, all right, just to just to bust out my blurred c- credentials one more time, <laughs> I would like to I would like to recommend the new Netflix film, The Old Guard. Uh, it's yes, so good, so so good. I cannot recommend it enough. Directed by Gina Prince Blythewood, who also directed Love and Basketball, which is one of my one of my favorite just movies. I don't even want to limit it to genre. Every time I watch it, I can just sit through the whole thing without losing my attention. And it all just hits the same as it did when I first saw it. And this movie is right up there with it. She has come so far as a director and done so well. And this movie is a great tribute to the, to the experiences that she's had along the way. 
and it's based on a graphic novel, and the cast is uniformly great. I really love uh, what Charlize Theron does. She might be our generation's best action star, with the exception of maybe Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah, I could I could go on and on, but I love it so much, and just please make more superhero movies where a protagonist has cornrows. I, I cannot tell you how cool <laughs> that was to see. Love it. Rod, how about you? Okay, can mine be a book? Absolutely, it could be anything. Okay, all right. And by the way, co-sign on that, Khalid. Um, for me, I'm really enjoying um, a series of fantasy novels. The first one is called The Children of Blood and Bone by author Tomi Adeyemi. And it is a grand fantasy that is based on West African traditions and religion in a pantheon of gods called the Orisha. And the sequel just recently was released, The Children of Virtue and Vengeance. And I believe there's gonna be a third one. Disney has already snapped up the rights and is working on a movie. Um, version of it, but if you love grand fantasies, but you want a different perspective, then definitely check out The Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. I have, that's been on my to-read list for a while. You've read, you've finished the first one completely? I finished the first one. It is excellent. I have a copy. uh, I I mentioned this before in the podcast. I teach fourth grade, but I have a copy in my classroom that some kids have read, and I want to read it myself now. Oh, wow. Okay. Did your students enjoy it? Uh, I think only one or two have read it. Uh, so some, oh, okay. For fourth grade, I think it's a little bit young sometimes, but some kids who are more advanced readers, they, they were into it, yeah. Oh, great. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Joe, if you get a chance, uh, read it. I think you would enjoy it. It, it. Really good books, and I can't wait to see where the story goes. Yeah, I'll t- definitely have to put that to the top of the list then. Um, so for me... Um, one thing that has kind of been one of my obsessions lately is I've been into the podcast called Our Opinions Are Correct. Haven't you guys listened to that yet? I've heard of it, but I've never listened to an episode. So it's got a couple like sci-fi fantasy authors. It's Charlie Jane Anders and Annalie Newitz who did who founded io9, I believe they did. Yes, um, they did. But their podcast is just so much fun. I've been listening to some of the back episodes. They have one about monsters, specifically about monsters from like a female perspective. That was really fascinating. They had one about oh, cool. uh, Afrofuturism that was really good. And they have like some really cool guests that I've really enjoyed. So that's kind of been my obsession. I think any fans of this podcast would, would 100% dig it. So um, definitely give that a listen. What is it called again, Joe? It's I'm called uh, Our Opinions Are Correct. Okay. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. We like to, we like to mix it up. Um, we, uh, we talk in the beginning about <laughs> corners of pop culture, although we've only really talked about TV shows and movies. So... I kind of, I'm kind of going to consider the short film category like another corner. So now we've got three. Right? Like, <laughs> this is definitely so, a third corner. Yeah. So we got a tri- like a triagon. No, triangle. Not triagon. That's triagon. Really? Did you just say triagon? <laughs> I did, and I just admitted to be a teacher too. That's great. Ah, You're triangle. A teacher. Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you guys are tough. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a triangle. I heard that resignation in, in Joe's voice. <laughs> you can't let that slide, Rod. Come, he said triangle. Right bro. after it, I was just, I just, I, I had to pause. I knew Khalid was going to say something. Ugh. Keep triangle. that in the final edit. All right, it's, it's staying in. It's staying in. Cool. <laughs> Better. So it we've better. had a triangle pop culture so far. 
Um, next week, I think we're going to even add to it. Our next episode, uh, we'll be touching on the comic book series Bitterroot, which I'm pretty excited about. Have you read oh. that, Rod? Yeah. I have not, but I do have it through Comicology. I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. Yeah, that's the topic of our next one, and, uh, and I'm pretty excited to move okay. on there. But yeah, thanks for joining us so much. It was, a, it was a blast to have you on. This is a fun episode. Oh, guys, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. This was a lot of fun for me. Agreed, Rod. You were a great guest, man. It was super fun talking to you. Where oh, can, thanks, man. Where can we find your stuff, Rod? Any like Twitter or, or social media that we should follow you on? Oh, sure. Well, I'm really active, as you both know, on Twitter. So Twitter is my handle. Uh, my website handle is at the seventh, and that's with the numeral seven, the seventh matrix. And I'm also on Instagram, but I'm not quite as active on Instagram as I am on Twitter. And then um, everyone can find out all about what we do at the seventh matrix.com by visiting the seventh matrix.com. And that'll also take you to our podcast, I on Sci-Fi. Wonderful. Definitely check those out. They're all fantastic. Um, Rod, we'd love to have you back someday. Um, if, oh, if sure. Anytime. We we'll do another short film episode, or if you just have a monster you want to talk about one day, just let us know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I definitely extend the invitation to have you guys on a future episode of my podcast. Oh, anytime. Count me in, man. Cool. All right, Khalid, I'll, ta- I'll let, you, let you send us off. All right. You guys know the deal. Creep it easy.